Welcome to the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your employees all the information they need to be successful at their jobs. Now, let's get started with the show. Chad Franson here, co-host of the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your staff everything they need to be successful at their job. Past guests include David Allen of Getting Things Done and Michael Gerber of The E-Myth and many more. This episode is brought to you by Sweet Process. Have you had team members ask you the same questions over and over again, and this is the 10th time you spent explaining it? There's a better way and a solution. Sweet Process makes it drop-dead easy to train and onboard new staff and save time with existing staff. Not only only do universities, banks, hospitals, and software companies use them, but first responder government agencies use them in life or death situations to run their operations. Use Sweet Process to document all the repetitive tasks that eat up your precious time so you can focus on growing your team and empowering them to do their best work. Sign up for a free 14-day trial, no credit card required. Go to sweetprocess.com. That's sweet like candy, S-W-E-E-T process.com. Tim Lance has expertly guided multiple companies through successful startup, growth, and turnaround phases, leading to teams ranging from less than 50 to over 400 full-time employees. In mid-2019, he assumed the role of president and chief operating officer at Care Syntax Corporation, a global innovator in software and data solutions that strives to make surgery smarter and safer. During his tenure, the company has grown from 130 to 190 employees worldwide, doubled global revenue, grown ARR by over 900%, improved quality and operational effectiveness, launched two new software applications on the digital surgery platform, achieved back-to-back record booking years, and raised $130 million in new venture capital funding, funding all during the global COVID-19 pandemic. Hey, uh, Tim, thanks so much for joining me today. How are you? You're welcome, Chad. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm doing fantastic. How are so you tell doing? Me, I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Hey, uh, tell me a little bit more about uh, Care Syntax and um, what you guys do. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Care Syntax is a, uh, you know, we're a venture-backed startup, um, kind of transitioning out of startup mode and into kind of growth mode. Um, company's been in business about seven years. It was originally founded in Berlin, Germany, uh, and we re-domiciled to the U.S. Uh, right in early 2019, about the time that, that I started here. Uh, we have employees in, I think, six different countries. We transact business in about a dozen countries around the world. Um, so predominantly, you know, North America, Europe, um, Australia, and a little bit in Central America as well. Um, as you mentioned, we have about 190 employees. And, um, you know, the goal of the company is really to um, kind of look at surgery as a part of healthcare. It's a I'm sure we've heard about all the improvements in population health management, all these different aspects of providing better quality care to patients at a lower cost. Um, historically, a lot of the focus on improvement in the healthcare space has been on the medical side with things like chronic disease management, you know, diabetes, things of that nature. Um, so what our founders did when they started the company is they realized that surgery was a incredibly important component of healthcare, both in terms of, you know, how it impacts patients and their families, but also from the kind of financial side of the healthcare industry. Um, surgery accounts typically for 50 to 60% of all revenue that a hospital or health system brings in. And it had been, you know, largely kind of ignored from a, kind of a quality and safety 
and uh, and technology standpoint, at least on the digital side of technology. And so when our founders got together seven years ago, they recognized that there was an opportunity to you know, really help people to try to impact lives and try to impact clinicians and surgeons and nurses in a positive way by bringing digital technology and more use of data and analytics into the operating room. And so, um, so our mission is to kind of use technology and data to help make surgery safer for patients and help bring more intelligence into the operating room so that surgeons and nurses can do their jobs better. During your career, have you primarily worked for, you know, healthcare related organizations or have you worked for a variety of different types of organizations? I've worked for a variety of different types of organizations, but I would say probably, you know, 75, 80% of my career has been in healthcare. Uh, mm -hmm. So what, what is your, what's kind of uh, involved in your day-to-day -day role as COO of uh, Care Syntax? Depends on what day it is, Chad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so within our organization, um, I have global responsibility for what I would say is kind of all of operations. So our technology is a combination of uh, hardware and software solutions. So, mm -hmm. um, so I have ultimate responsibility for all of our global production and manufacturing, regulatory compliance, um, global customer success. Um, I have in the past, uh, up until recently, had a responsibility for all of our commercial and sales activities globally. Um, and then uh, all of our, you know, implementation, training. Um, so anything that really kind of touches the customer uh, or touches our products um, reports up through me. Um, so our CTO uh, reports up to me through kind of all of our software and technology development work. I also oversee um, data security. So I kind of I kind of span the gamut. Wow. So uh, in terms of kind of uh, uh, your day to day operations, do you start or maybe just big picture even? Do you start with the technology or do you start with your process or do you start with, you know, the people involved? That's a, it's a great question. So we and you hit the you hit the big three, right? So we look at it in, in kind of this order is people, process and tools. Um, and I think it's, uh, you know, I've had the pleasure in my career to work for some great leaders and then to work with, you know, amazing colleagues over the years. And, you know, in my experience, everything that you do in a company operationally fundamentally starts with your people, right? So when you think about company assets on the balance sheet, um, you know, people are never kind of on the balance sheet as an asset, but they're fundamentally the most important asset we have because our your ability to drive process improvement, your ability to adopt technologies that make your business more efficient and more effective, still requires people to execute on all that. Um, so our approach, uh, and then my approach always when I come into a new business is to first start with the evaluation of the people and, you know, understand how well they're aligned, understand what the cultural sort of trends in the company are and the cultural norms, um, you know, understand where there's, you know, how much transparency and flow of information there is within an organization that flows down to the people to help with that alignment. And then from there, we just continue to kind of build on that. And then we layer in process improvement. We layer in technology adoption, you know, on, on the back end of that. Would you say it's important to, that, um, you know, employees are aligned or the team members are aligned with um, like the core values of the, of the company? Yeah, I think it's incredibly important. And I would say, you know, it's interesting and it depends on the size of the company a little bit. And I think it depends on, you know, for startups, at least depends on sort of how the founders are oriented and how the leadership's oriented. But um, it's definitely important to have alignment to a set of, you know, obviously we always talk about vision and mission statements, but you know, what a lot of companies 
you know, don't always get to is what is that, what are the fundamental values and like business principles by which they want their business to run? And so, you know, I've always tried to extend that mission, vision, values exercise into that concept of it's great that we want to do these things, right? This is our big vision. Here's the mission's kind of why you're doing it, right? But the the values and the business principles get to fundamentally how do we want to do that? Um, and I think it's really important to have that alignment. And for a lot of companies, you know, they haven't established those things. So it's it's almost even more important to take a step back and say, you know, do we have a standard set of adopted values and principles? And are our employees aligned to that? And then more importantly, the way that I've done it historically is, is there an opportunity to actually involve the employees in determining what those are? Right. How, yeah. Yeah. How do you, so how, how would you, um, how, is there kind of a way you go about aligning, you know, team members with your core values? I've worked for places and their core values and they're nice. <laughs> they're nice to have on the wall or whatever. How do you, wall, yeah. how do you, how do you guys go about aligning them? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so there's a process that I follow. Um, I developed it at my previous company, working with our head of HR there who came to us from American Express, um, wonderful lady, incredibly knowledgeable and talented. So she and I developed a process where we basically did, you know, mission, vision and, and core values development and more of a grassroots style. So we went out to, you know, every department in the company and we had about 450 employees in that company. And we did some education to the departments on, you know, sort of what do these things mean? Why are they important? Why are we wanting to spend the time and devote the effort and energy to looking at them? And then we asked each department to elect a representative of that department to kind of be part of this multi-week exercise. Um, and we did the same thing at Care Syntax when I joined. We went through this kind of the same process here. And then once you establish that sort of democratic representation of every team in the company, um, then we started to go through a process of really evaluating, you know, what is the mission and vision and values of the company today? Do we know what they are? Are they, are they representative of how we work um, or not and why? And so you go through this sort of deep learning exercise together with the teams. And then the other thing we did as, as a part of that is we always wanted to make sure we also had diversity within that electorate group. So it wasn't like, you know, oh, every department director got to be on the council. We had, you know, usually one or two executives and you'd have some, you know, middle managers and you'd have some frontline staff people and we'd choose people of different tenures. Um, so you might have somebody who's been at the company for 10 years and you might have somebody who's been at the company for 10 months. And so it was a way to make sure that we had diversity of thought mm -hmm. um, and diversity of experience and diversity of perspective so that we could capture a framework that was going to be truly representative of the entire company uh, and also would still be applicable to new employees as we grew. And you said that you kind of give you, you give them some um, input in terms of the core values. How do you go about doing that? Well, if there's already an established set, then you're kind of in a review process, right? Mm -hmm. um, if there's not an established set, then it really becomes more conceptual. Um, and what we've always done, I found it really effective, and it's also very interesting, right, um, is to actually start with a discovery of, you know, what the employees think the company's all about. And what I found every single time, and, uh, you know, for, for owners that are listening or for other senior executives that are, that are listening, um, 
it can be almost unnerving when you sit down with a group of your staff and you realize that not everybody knows what the company does and not everybody knows why, right? They may know what their particular job is, um, but that's always kind of where we started the process was having that discovery and talking through, you know, if you have something that you're modifying or you're reviewing, that's a great starting point. If you don't, then that discovery of, you know, what do you think the company's all about? Why do you think we're doing this? Um, can be really, really powerful because every time I've done it, you realize that there's actually quite a bit of disparity uh, across the teams based on role, tenure, you know, department. For us, because we're a global organization based on what country you work in, um, you know, you have that different experience. And so that provides kind of the starting point for information gathering. And then you can start to level set from there, right? And you start to work through where is there alignment and there's mm -hmm. commonality. And where is their variance? Almost just like you'd redesign a process, right? Where, where do I have variance from, from the standard? Mm -hmm. And then you can start to pick apart, you know, what's the cause of that variance and can we get alignment there? So how do you, so, so uh, um, once you've kind of got your, your team members aligned with the core values and you're kind of moving forward, how does that impact your process rather than just, you know, starting with a process, having a list of steps you like to take and going from there? Like, how does that maybe improve moving on to process? It provides you know, kind of a cultural foundation and a mindset foundation for how you approach solving more complex business problems. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe an easy way is for me to give you kind of a specific example. So, you know, at Care Syntax, um, you know, we didn't have an established core value and, and principle set. So we, you know, what we did with the team here is we created that together. Um, and, you know, it was, it was a long process. I mean, it was weeks of, of learning. It was, you know, we got kind of locked everybody in a room in, in Europe. Uh, for like three days and, you know, we hashed through it and it was interesting. There was debate and there was argument and there was ideation and it was like a really beautiful thing to see that play out. Um, and in the end, we're really more aspirational, right? And we had to kind of make the decision. It was, it was an interesting conversation to say, you know, well, this is a value or a principle that we all believe in that we would like to exemplify, but we really don't do it that well today should that be a value or not? And we kind of agreed as a group that, you know, we're a young company, right? And, and it's okay to be aspirational and say, we want to set some lines in the sand on how we want to transact business, right? How we want to work together with our partners or with our colleagues. Um, and so, I, you know, what I love about ours is that it's sort of part who we already were and part who we wanted to be. And then what we found is as we've started to roll out Things like, you know, we've introduced Lean Six Sigma into the organization, right? So you start getting into real, you know, process design methodologies and process improvement toolkits. When you establish something like ownership as a value, or one of the values we established was, you know, knowledge. And we define knowledge as using data-driven decision-making to support improvement. So once you have that value, define it as, you know, knowledge for us is continuous learning and using data to make better decisions. And then you introduce a process improvement methodology. All of a sudden, we saw this tectonic shift in the organization where decisions weren't being made by feel, right, or weren't being made by opinion. They were being made by data. You know, so managers and even frontline staff that before would have just said, oh, I'm going to just do this because my boss said to, or I'm going to do it because it seems like it might make sense. Now they're pausing and they're gathering information, right? Sure. And they're communicating information. And now we're making data-driven decisions. And then you start to see that, okay, 
Now I'm making a process change and the new process solves the problem. Why? Because I had data. Whereas before it would have just been a lot of guesswork, right? Because everybody's busy and they're trying to do a lot. It's a startup environment, right? You're kind of running hard all the time. Um, and so that's just like one acute example of how establishing that value of knowledge and data-driven decision-making got ingrained in people's mindset and it's changed the way that our employees approach their jobs on a daily basis. And we don't always get it right. Um, you know, we had a, an issue a couple of weeks ago where, you know, there was data available and the data would have indicated we should have taken option A, you know, and somebody said, why, well, you know, no, that doesn't apply to us and we should go do option B. And, you know, and that employee, you know, kind of went with option B and it didn't work well. But the nice thing is when we got back and we did sort of a retrospective on that situation, we brought the, you know, that team together and he said, you know, let's evaluate how could we have done this better? You know, the first thing that came out is that employee said, you know, Tim, you know, I, I had the data and, you know, and I let a non-data driven set of guidance overrule information that was very concrete and accurate. And, you know, and that's not consistent with, with our knowledge principle is like, you know, going forward, you know, I need to do a better job of making sure that if I have questions or if there's a conflict there, that I escalate that, or that I gather more data to make sure that we confirm the right solution. Um, so even though it's not a hundred percent, you know, everybody's human, um, it was great to see that anchoring and the employee to recognize immediately that there was an opportunity to improve that aligned back to those core values and principles. So just, I mean, just one anecdotal example, but I think, you know, we see many things like that week to week where it's the anchoring that either drives the better decision the first time or the anchoring that the employees are coming back to and the managers are coming back to when a mistake is made. And they're saying, yeah, we have an opportunity to do this better. And it's by going back and applying these principles consistently, you know, how do we mm -hmm. figure out how to do that more consistently? So. I have one last question for you. These are so you've given us some great, uh, great insights. Um, but first, how can people find out more about Care Syntax? Um, website. Uh, you can definitely go to our website. It's www.caresyntax.com. Um, that's probably the the best. We also are uh, really active on on LinkedIn, so you can definitely you know kind of follow the company on LinkedIn, and we're always posting updates there. Mm -hmm. um, but those are probably the two uh, the two best ways okay. um, to to engage. So great. Uh, final question for you: Are there some books or uh, other sources of kind of information that you've really found valuable over the course of your career that's kind of given you insights into leadership of people and things like that? Oh man, yeah. So um, I have a long list. Let me let me see if I can pull out <laughs> some of my my personal favorites. Um, you know, seven habits of highly effective people. I know that's a, you know, it's, it's a classic, but, mm -hmm. um, but I would say like, that's one that I reference back to frequently uh, with my staff. Um, there's also a book called the one thing um, that's really fascinating. It's, um, it's something that uh, the owner of, of one of my previous companies gave to all of the partners in the firm and, uh, and had us read. And I actually, um, I implemented it and it's uh, it's been really impactful for me personally. Um, I think, you know, from an executive standpoint, when you get super busy, it's hard to sometimes sift through all of the noise and the chaos. Um, so the one thing really talks about, you know, kind of throughout the day at every point where you need to make a decision on where to invest your time and energy, ask yourself, what's the one thing I can do now 
that if I complete that well, it makes everything else either, you know, less urgent or maybe even completely irrelevant. Um, putting it into practice um, it was kind of a harrowing experience because all of a sudden you see your emails pile up and your to-do list go red. Um, but uh, it's a fascinating book. And if you, you know, if you're a busy executive and you have a lot of things to juggle and you want your staff to stay focused on kind of the right things that move the business forward. Um, I think it's it's a really powerful methodology. You have to be a little, you know, a little thoughtful on how you implement it in your personal life, but um, but I think that's a great one. And then um, you know, there, I mean there's a lot of other ones, but those are probably the two I would say that I reference with staff the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And, those yeah. sound great. Um, hey Tim, it's been great to talk to you. I've really appreciated your time and your insights and your thoughts this morning. Thank you so much. Yeah, Chad. No, it's been a pleasure. Happy to join. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Process Breakdown Podcast. Before you go, quick question. Do you want a tool that makes it easy to document processes, procedures, and or policies for your company so that your employees have all the information they need to be successful at their job? If yes, sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. No credit card is required to sign up. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, and process like process.com. Go now to sweetprocess.com and sign up for your risk-free 14-day trial. Hi, this is Owen, the CEO and co-founder here at Sweet Process. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast interview, uh, actually, you know what I want you to do? Go ahead and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That way we get more people aware of the good stuff that you get here on this podcast. Again, go on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Looking forward to reading your review. Have a good day. That's